week. Walking in, two top, first course, Caesar, Bronx, followed by second course, Golding, Filet, Midrayer, Alvin. Truffle Boy and Doug here reporting for duty. Doug, introduce our next guest chef of the evening, please. I will. Hello, everybody. Tonight, we have Chef Ethan Cohen with us. Um, he is coming based out of North Carolina, a veteran in the game. He's been doing this for about 10 years. Um, chef, how's it going tonight? How are you doing? Ladies, gentlemen, thank you very much for having me, first of all. Life is good, you know, we're making the best out of the situation here and just taking it one day at a time. Most definitely that we are. How's, um, you know, your journey and kind of your beginnings of a chef? If you want to take us a little bit into that and kind of, you know, what got you started? By the way, I love the poster behind you. Those that can't say he's got the uh, True Cooks Anthony Bourdain uh, poster. I was about to say I'm I'm laced as always yeah, you in are. True Cooks apparel from Bourdain to the hat to Mike Tyson. Solid. You know, you know we got to represent the brand. Dripping. But, um, True Cooks <laughs> since day one, but not um I've been in focused in food for for longer than I can remember. I feel like I was the last generation that was into like the food network before it became strictly like competition shows. Gotcha. But also I, so like I would always watch Food Network growing up and like just being around food is something I always knew I wanted to do. Um during uh, my time in high school um I uh was a part of an academy program which focused on hospitality not really like restaurant specific but like hotel lodging cruise ships like tourism and things like that but um but I always knew I would find my way back to uh the kitchen and then um I started working for a local catering company just as like a bar back and a bus boy and then um and then um I started going to a culinary school at a Johnson and Wales University down in uh down at the North Miami campus and then while I was there, the executive chef at uh, the catering company I was working at found out that I was going to culinary school and literally had to fight with the owner to, to, to have me get back into the kitchen. That way I could train under him. So and what was so, that like going to, you know, culinary school in North Miami? I'm, you know, working in Florida now here for about five years. And um, the Florida food scene is, you know, definitely very different. So, you know, how many years ago was this that you were in the North Miami area? Um, I graduated high school and started working in the industry around 2013 officially, but unofficially I've been working in restaurants since I was 13 years old, allegedly, just cause you know, but yeah, um, my first job ever like food business related was there was like a little like market, like convenience store inside of the apartment complex that 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 I lived in and so like on weekends or whatever um I would always like go and be like the delivery boy to like go run the food orders to like the different buildings and then on holidays they would like set up out near the pool and do barbecues and I would help them like grill and things like that so 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 very early on I did little things here and there just to like kind of get me a little bit more acclimated before I actually went into the industry or before I went into culinary school. 
Now, I started culinary school the fall of 2013, um, graduated 2017, absolutely loved my time. I will say this for the big old, you know, culinary school versus learning straight from the kitchen debate. There are plus and minuses to both. Culinary school gives you a good base, especially as far as like if you're going to a school that does classically French training and then builds off of it. It's good to get a base so that you know the mother sauces, so you know how to make soups and stocks and 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 just the the how to put together of of a dish. That being said, culinary school does not teach you how to work on a line. Culinary <laughs> school gives you recipes so that you know how to produce. It doesn't teach you how to produce on 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 what would say you know is a regular level that we need to do on a line. So that being said, I definitely learned a lot more skills throughout my time working in the industry while I was going to culinary school. Because throughout every single minute of culinary school, I was also working in, in the industry. I never really quit working for the catering company. I would always, you know, just because just because the executive chef there was a big mentor of mine. So I would always go work for like a year and then go work somewhere else for a couple months and then go work back there and then and then go somewhere else for a couple months. So so throughout that time, I besides going to school and working for the catering company, I worked at um, a Ritz-Carlton property. Um, I big started dogs, doing- Big dogs. So before we, before we get too far, I have a question in mind. And I think kind of looking back and looking at it as, as a culinary student or somebody who's passionate about culinary in high school and trying to go mm-hmm. to like, you know, either, uh, you know, College of Lake County or like a sub- suburban uh, college or go to like Johnson and Wales, right? So when I think Johnson mm-hmm. and Wales, it's like, you know, Harry Potter walking up to Hogwarts and, and like everything <laughs> is super fancy and there's like thousands of this and that. Is that is that like the experience you had? And, and can you like talk us through the experience you had of, of going to like a super, you know, high, right. reputable, reputable yeah. school? Yeah. So... So yeah, like when you think of reputable culinary schools, there's there's two, maybe three that pop to mind. One obviously is going to be CIA. Everyone knows CIA. Like if like if you really want to be serious, that's where you go. Um, then obviously there's uh, Johnson and Wales, which had four campuses, but as of next year, they're closing two of them. One of them being my campus, unfortunately. But I mean. You know, that's just how 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 things have gone with with the pandemic and everything. But um there really is an an advantage, at least from from uh, what I saw, because all all of the professors that we had culinary wise were still working in the industry at the time. A lot of them owned their own catering companies or 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 were private chefs or or, or we're still involved with uh, different right. companies. in the industry. They knew the slang. They knew how to, you know, they talked the exactly. talk and, and walked the and, walk. And, you know, because the school has the name that it has, it also gives you a lot more push in into into different, like, internships and things. Like, like one of the biggest partners that the school had is Disney. Like, like the internship program, that that uh the school has for uh 
for uh, the culinary students, in order to graduate with your first degree, you need to do a semester long internship. And so about 40% of the culinary students would go to Disney just because that's, that's, that's how good of a relationship that, that it has. And, and I mean, you're the ingredients that you're working with are always going to be a plus. That's why you're spending all, all of that money to be able to work with the best ingredients for you to be able to have access to the best tools and the best equipment and to be able to meet with top people in the industry and to be able to, to, to network and just to be able to build yourself up before you get into the business. Whereas if you're going to not, not to knock like a smaller technical college or like a two-year college and not really going to get the opportunity to build yourself up while you're in school. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'd cut out a little bit there. Computer froze, you, you but did. I, let me, let me fix the screen in a second. You, you fucked me up there, Doug. I uh, see and double. I love to comment on the oh, fact there that, we go. you know, working there in the is. industry as well as going to school at the same time, we talked about that in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, but being able to kind of put forth everything that you're learning every day into mm-hmm. another setting. And I think it really reinforces those sort of habits and those teachings that you learn. And, and it does. And more importantly, if, if you're going to class in the morning, and then going to work the line at night, you'll realize sooner rather than later if this is something that you really want to do. Like, like, like all of family, friends of mine, and you know, friends in general that that have asked me, you know, is it really like? Do you really love what you do? Like, like this? This really is a job to where you have to love what you do. Otherwise, it's gonna whoop you in the fucking ass every single fucking time like like even seeing it throughout culinary school there was so many people that that whether it was after the first year they dropped out or whether after it was the second year they dropped out or or even some of them now you know pandemic aside after graduation some of them realized that hey I'm not cut out for the industry. So basically you spent all of that money and all of that time. And now you're not even working in the industry anymore. It just really shows, you know, who can take it and who can't. But the man himself, Anthony Bourdain did say, you know, if, if you take anything away from it, you'll know how to cook for yourself and, you know, exactly. Feed and, uh, and, you know, at least they have that. At least they know how to cook for themselves. But I mean, I guess they couldn't cut it cooking for other people. It is completely different, you know, the 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 scene and the culture is different from culinary school and and you know, especially in a fine dining or even casual dining. I mean, I would say there's a lot of intricate stuff that's being done and it's fast-paced and high stress, low pay, long hours. I mean, it it wears you down for sure. It's not for the faint of heart at all with like I mean, I'm knowing being being repetitive, but you have to wake up knowing every single day. All right, there's a good possibility I'm gonna get my ass kicked today at some point. Now I can either take it or I can get through it and enjoy the hell out of it. And I'm 90% of the time I'm gonna enjoy the hell getting getting my ass beat on the line, but no, I'm gonna get through the weeds and be done with it. And that's the best feeling. Well, what is one of those things like you were just mentioning, you know, like you got to have that drive to wake up out of bed and like, you know, have that fire to go in and work and hustle and and do all that. 
what are kind of some of those things for you that, you know, make you still excited about cooking since, you know, you've been cooking for a while and obviously that also always, you know, wears down a chef and there's obviously you have your like super creative moods and, and then mm -hmm. you have your like just busting, you know, busting ass and working through service right. after service after service. So like, what are those things that make you excited and still get, get that passion, you know, like those butterflies in your stomach in food? Um, well, first and foremost, yes, I have been working in the industry a decent while I've been working in the industry about 10, 12 years, but I mean, at the same time, I'm only 26 years old. So even though I have more than a decade inside the kitchen, I'm still green as fuck. Half half of the time, I'm 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 still learning shit on the fly, and that's one of the best things is that yeah, I have all of this experience, but at the same time, I'm still able to go in and I'm able to learn one, two, or three different things that I didn't know that day. I'll get to learn every single day. Number two, and most importantly, especially at the place that I'm at now, I'm able to have creative freedom as 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 long as it gets approved by my higher ups. I have complete control to add things to the menu that I want. We we do a, a rotating menu of every four weeks. So every month there's a brand new menu that we get to create within with within our little team. We also have different um to go uh events every Saturday. So 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 you know just the possibility of just creating new things is always fun and that always gets me going every morning but more importantly there are very few industries to where when when you're working you can get instant gratification on whether someone likes your product or not food is one of the only things to where you will find out if someone likes it or not now you might not find out if they like it until later but lord knows if you fucked it up they will let you know you'll definitely get some immediate uh you know reviews exactly there. and You know, whether it's good feedback or it's bad feedback, it's one of the true jobs. And everyone's a Yelp critic nowadays, so. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. But, yeah, I mean. Did you guys you know, see, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Jeremiah Fox, I believe. Uh, he's out in L.A. He has that uh, couple cookbooks and he has a restaurant called Birdie's. And, I think I might have heard of him, yeah. And some lady uh, left like a Yelp review, like it was like eight or, eight or whatever months down the road. And you know, don't quote me on this, but just saying the gist of like, so she so she had whatever she had, right? And then eight months later, decides to write like a, a one star Yelp review, and like saying how like da 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 da, and like he posted it on the gram and like was like, yeah, what like what is going on here? Like, why do you have to be, you know? Eight yeah. months later, you know, like, it, yeah, it, are you that bored out of your mind? But it's crazy. I think how people just have the time now to where to where they can think back, and you know, obviously, if they got nothing better to do than to just ruin our day and fuck up our business. Well, I notice on my, you know, my Google Maps, I'll be sitting there, and um, you know, it gives you all those little tabs, and it's like, oh, you visited this place, you know, a month ago. Would you like to leave a review? And it's like. At that point, how you know genuine is this review that they're asking me to leave? How am I going to remember this experience I had at the car wash, you know, a month ago or at a restaurant? You know, as a matter of fact, 
Um, and yeah, definitely everyone is a Yelp reviewer at, at this point. You, you know, you put your photos on there and you put your comments and um, it can do a lot of detriment. I've seen a lot of, you know, really, really hurtful Yelp reviews. Um, sure. Some of them, some of them are justified, but uh, that's, that's insane. Eight months after the fact. I was about to say, there's no way that you can leave a like authentic, legitimate forget eight months how can you leave a solid review after like one month i can barely remember stuff that i did last week you're expecting you're expecting me to remember a specific menu and like thing that i ate from like two three eight months ago i mean but that's just the nature of it sometimes you're going to get things that help your business and then sometimes you're going to get you know the people that like to tap on the keyboard and think that they're the hottest thing since sliced bread most definitely. So a little bit back to your story, Chef. So you graduated um, North Miami at Johnson & Wales, and then you're working for the catering, um, and then you went to Ritz-Carlton for a little bit. What mm-hmm. was your first, you know, um, that first job, you know, out of culinary school where you're like, all right, this is it. You know, I made it. This is my my dream of what I want to be doing. Um, so um, let's go back a little bit. Um, the Ritz-Carlton was was still while I was in school and then and then worked a couple other places. And then when I came out of culinary school, I became a sous chef at the catering company. So 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 I was able now to start from like it really just shows how much hard work pays off to where when I started before I was even in culinary school, I was a barbecue you no, nothing guy. And now four years later, I'm basically the number two guy in the kitchen. And this catering company that I worked for was one of the largest kosher caterers down in South Florida doing doing multi-million dollars a year, doing doing parties of anywhere from like 30 to 800. So, Jeez. I mean, that, so, 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 I mean, I, I, I really got, my shit together real quick just because when you're dealing with that kind of number and that kind of mass production if things go wrong it's going to be on somebody's ass so is that off-site catering doing it you know 800 person party off-site or um so so the catering company that i worked for we had we had an on-site ballroom but we also did a lot of off-site parties as well like i would say the business was honest was probably 35% of the business was in the in-house and then like 65 or like whatever else the percentage was, was, was outside production throughout basically all of South Florida. So, I mean, there, there, there were times to where we were based in Miami and I was driving an hour North to like West Palm or, or I would be driving like an hour and a half South down to like down to halfway through the, uh, Florida Keys. We have That's a- awesome, right? I mean, it's a, yeah. it's all it's all in the prep at that point, right? Yeah, but it's it's all in the it's literally all in the preparation and trusting that you have the right team behind you to make sure that everything gets done, that you have everything you need, but more importantly, you have everything you need in case you know you have the worst case scenario and you're able to fix it on site. Like, especially those parties, like I said, to where, to where we would have to have everything prep up. And then, and then I would have to drive like two hours down to the keys, you know, in my car. And I'm waiting for, 
for for uh the guys with the truck to come you 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 don't know what could be messed up because of the drive you don't know what could have been left and when you're out there you're not going to have enough time to go run back and get it you, you know you're out there and you got to make it work bring us you know a little bit into that so where's the situation you know where you're like damn you know i left i left uh the six pans or you know i left this and you know how did you How'd you sort of overcome that obstacle? I know for a lot of catering chefs that we've talked to, that's the biggest worry. It's like once you're at the event and everything's kind of going, that's when you can, you know, relief because you right. know that the plan that you have laid out is, you know, being executed. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific. When I was at Boca Catering, we had like a miscellaneous box that you just put a bunch of random stuff just in case. Yeah. You could like make sure what's, something. What's in a miscellaneous box? Like fish like fats and salt, pepper, oil, tongs. Yeah, skewers, salt, pepper, oil, foil, about, about, about two bags. packs of side towels, squeezed bottles, plastic wrap, aluminum foil. You know, you got to have one trusty saute pan in there just in case if you got to whip something out real quick. You, you got to have like two tanks of propane in case you need to break out the cassette burners. Um, some like fresh produce just in case you can make yep. like makeshift something. And then, and, and then, uh, and then, uh, you always got to have a beer in there for the chef just in case if things really go south. <laughs> That's there a good go. one. I should have always thrown a beer. Yeah, you in. always got to, you always got to stash one somewhere, whether, whether it ends up being a success at the end of the night or whether it all comes burning down, you're going to be drinking it one way or the other. <laughs> there you go. So talking a little bit more about, you know, your career. So what made you make that jump from, you know, Florida to North Carolina? Did you stay with the, or I guess before that, did you stay with the catering company while you were in Florida before you made that jump? Um, so no, um, after um, I had graduated and um, the um, executive chef at, uh, at uh, the catering company had left to um, go do his own thing. My um, fiance and I, uh, we had, graduated and you know we were living in the dorms at the time so and her family <coughs> had just moved up to a uh, daytona beach and we were just ready to get out of miami like my fiance was born in miami she's lived there her whole life i was born in new york but i mean i moved down to miami when i was like eight nine years old so i mean that's been the majority of my life we were just looking for something different we knew that we always wanted to come to Carolina eventually. We just needed like a midway point. Originally, we were going to go out to Denver. But when the time came, we weren't able to pull everything together to make the cross-country trip. So that's why we decided to go to Daytona. You know, we were like, her family's up there. It'll be a good little place for us to just hang low, build up a little bit of a name. And then and then within two, three years, which is which is what we did, we moved there. Um, Thanksgiving of 2017, and then we moved up here, uh, August 2020. So yeah, like two and a half years, three years. We just went up there. We kept our head down. We we made as much money as we could, and then when it was time to come up here, we came up here. So I've been to Daytona once now since being in Florida, and it was right before, um, I believe Hurricane Irma hit us. Um. You know, what's the what was the biggest, you know, shocker there from the food scene in, you know, Miami to the food scene in Daytona? Um, 
Miami actually has a food scene. <laughs> um, no, no disrespect to Daytona. It's it it was a good place for me to be able to grow as a person and as a chef. But it's a very seasonal town. Um, it's a lot of corporate run or mom and pop that's not going to change. So I mean, it's. It's not the best situation. I mean, like when the big events come around, like when the Daytona 500 comes around or like whenever the bike weeks or like truck weeks come around, you see a little bit more of a surge, which is nice. But I mean, for the most part, it's 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 just, you know, you're going to get your big spring break crowd. You're going to get your, your, your um, snowbirds coming down. But I mean, besides that, it's really not much else. So kind of easygoing, um, very much like the East coast of Florida while I was cooking over there. It was, uh, you know, everybody kind of what's what they want and there's not much of an adventurous palette. Um, yeah, very, 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 very much the case. They like what they like and they're not going to change it. I will say this. I was lucky enough to wear the country club that I was working at at the time. And when we actually moved up there was when I started to think more about the country club cooking lifestyle because if you really think about it it's one of the cushier gigs in the food industry that people don't really know about like you know more more often than not unless if you're an exec or a sous chef you're gonna have a set schedule you're gonna get your 40 hours a week plus depending on if you have events you know and great benefits country clubs have great benefits like full vision, dental, medical, everything, you know, and more often than not clubs will, you know, bonuses, they'll match you on 401k. Like it's for, for young chefs who don't really know what part of the industry they want that are looking for something that's stable. Country clubs are a great place. And more often than not, because the place has money and money isn't an object, you'll be able to do a lot more just because you'll be able to order more, more expensive things. You'll be able to get things that you normally wouldn't find. Now, with that being said, because you're at a country club and, and people are paying all of this money to be a part of the club, you're going to need to give them what they ask for. And it better be right the first time. I, I love that sentiment. I started at a country club um, while I was actually still going to culinary school. And, and you're right. It's kind of that, uh, underrated kitchen job that people don't really um think about and you know thinking back at my time on the club it was exactly that there was a lot of ingredients i didn't know how to cook there was a lot of different techniques i didn't know how to cook you know you had really old style french cooking and we had novel yep. cuisine as well and um it was scoop a great and experience plates? did you have any scooping plates um are you referring to those giant racks where they hold all the salad plates on no, the, oh, yeah. the, t- the heated tables and you just scoop the potatoes, scoop the pot roast, broccoli. And... <laughs> no, not, not this to my club. knowledge. I'll, so, I'll say this. The, the club that I was at, we were a 95% from scratch kitchen. Like we were baking bread twice a day. We were making our own oh, soups wow. every We were making our own soups every week. We, we were doing two fresh pastas every night for dinner. Like, 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 like we were in it thick. The 
the chef that we had over there, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I mean, I'll say this, the stuff that I learned from him, he made me a better chef. I might not have liked his personality or how he ran things, but I will not deny that he made me a better chef. And, and I'm grateful for being able to work under him because, because I was able to learn so much and realize that, Hey, I could run a full kitchen by myself because realistically at that time I worked there for, for 15 months. I was, I was the lead lunch guy from the time that I started in the middle of August to about March, they, they rotated seven other line cooks with me just because no one else could keep up. Goodness. I think that's a, you know, that's awesome experience and being able to build that confidence um, in a kitchen is so crucial to development. A lot of uh, people I think get really discouraged when they don't have, you know, um, someone who's able to kind of teach them and show them. And, you know, a lot of people sort of get weeded out, but, you know, being able to build that confidence is incredible. Agreed. Especially when you're young in the industry, like I'm sure you guys have dealt with this being, being one of the younger guys in the kitchen. It's not easy. Everyone doesn't give you the type of respect that you deserve. They think you only know this much. And like, yeah, I get it. You might've had other people that are around my age that didn't know how to hold a knife for this or that. But I mean, it's like I said, I have over 10 years experience. I've been running kitchens for, for seven, eight out of those 12 years. Like I know what I'm doing and I've literally shown you that I can run this whole, this whole line and get daily prep done and help you with dinner prep in the same time that one person would just be able to run the line. Definitely. You gotta, you gotta prove your worth. I think that goes a long way. Any kitchen that I've ever been in, you know, I've definitely struggled with that too. And, um, it's more about just keeping your head down and proving that, you know, you can do the job just as good as anybody else. And, um, I think at the end of the day, you know, with the, the old kitchen veterans that I've worked with showing that, you're, you're willing to put in the work and that you're not going to slack off and you're not sitting there on your phone or leaning on the counters and that you're always asking, you know, what's next, what else can I do? Um, exactly. definitely that shows simple. that respect. It's, it's literally that simple. And for the young guys and girls that are coming up in, in that are going to be watching this, just put your head down, do the work, always ask, is there anything else I can do? Even if you know there's nothing else to be done, hey, chef, can I clean this? Or just just do something that shows that you're here, that you want to put in the work, that you're willing to, to take a little bit of the abuse in order to get that next step. Definitely. I love that. I, you know, like you said, for all of our viewers watching, that's awesome advice. I also love the country club advice. It's, um, I think it's something that we've touched on too much on our podcast yet. So I think it's important for people to kind of realize, you know, we talk about the fact that there is so many different facets of the food and beverage industry, but going into each individual one, especially in country clubs, they're definitely underrated. All right. And, 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 and honestly, they really don't get the love that, that I think they deserve just because yes, I understand that, you know, a majority of country clubs are private and they don't let outside members of the community come in and dine. But I mean, like like the company that I work for, McConnell Golf, even though I'm at the country club that I'm at, we have 
14 different properties around the Southeast. So whenever we have big events at different properties, we're able to travel and go to those different clubs. So, I mean, it's all just, just about finding, finding uh, the right fit for uh, what you're looking for. No, and that's, that's awesome. And, and kind of, for me that I I really had, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it a country club, but I had like a really bad call, early culinary experience where I went to, it was like an assisted living kind of situation mm-hmm. where, you know, and there it was like scooping plates, oh, know, yeah. 130, just, you know, exactly what I described, like mashed potatoes, pot roast fucking broccoli everything's, shoot it out every, every, everything's from a bag no creativity I'm like, I'm like 16 just got my driver license oh, want to be on food network rolling into work <laughs> they made you wear those you know chef hats and uh-huh. then like two weeks in i like you know i'm i'm a snoopy guy i snoop around so like, i asked right. questions i was like oh how long have you been working here and like each person was like seven fifteen 25 35 and i was like yeah i gotta get out of here uh, right like like i'm there's definitely a big thing for you know being loyal to a company for for you know x amount of years but at some point i don't get why people stay at the same place 15 20 30 years like i get it if you know, you've become accustomed to it and that's what you want. But I mean, at least for, for me, I can never see myself staying, staying somewhere for that long, just because you're going to get stagnant. And then, and then the minute you get stagnant, your creativity is going to go. And, you know, I'm just always looking for a challenge. Yeah. I, I lasted uh, four months in a assisted living home before I had to put in my two weeks. It was um, it's, it's, like, you know, any kitchen is physically draining and mentally draining, but the mental drain that comes from working in assisted living and, you know, your, your customers, you know, are passing away week by week. Right. Um, and then you have new ones and, you know, all the different dietary restrictions. Doug, and, did you have to, did you have to puree uh, oh, yeah. white bread oh, and yeah. hot dog with, with Xantham, I believe? I, I, was, no, it was Xantham. It wasn't Xantham. It was it like, had, um, it was like some powder. It was like transglutamate. Yeah. But oh, okay. It but, was. Uh, I I thought it's xanthan. Yeah. I still think it's xanthan. Uh, I know like what you're talking it about. Together. It was in like a was brown like box with like the black, uh, blue paper yes. or blue plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, I don't. I never did hot dogs in water. But I mean, like I'd have to do breakfast. So we put like sausage and eggs. Bro, they and literally made me put like white and, bread in a hot dog and water and blend it. And I was like, this is I mean, you not got what I saw on TV. You got your pureed food, your mechanical soft, and then your, you know, your regular dieters. But so anytime um, I think about like these big institutions, like, you know, country clubs or assisted living, you know, I kind of put them in the same, but as I hear more, you know, country club people uh, talk, I think I've missed out. You know, I would have definitely chose uh, um, to to spend a little time because it lets you be creative and kind of explore with, you know. A it nicer does, budget. especially. It does, especially now, just because y- you know, country club membership is starting to get younger. You know, it's not the same people. It's not the same that have been there for 50, 60, 70 years. Y- y- you know, the type of generational 
I guess, lineage that's traditionally known. Like, it's not just your typical, you know, stuffy white people club anymore. You know, there's more diversity starting to come into clubs. And because of that, we're able to do different things with, with, uh, with, with uh, menus and events. Definitely. And um, I think, you know, that's an awesome, awesome piece to add to our, our podcast and our story we have going here. So I appreciate you sort of shining the light on, uh, you know, country clubs and what that can do. So, you know, segueing into that. So you left Daytona and you moved to North Carolina. You know, what was that like for you? Did you already have something lined up or did you know that you just wanted to get to North Carolina? Um, well, um, we knew we wanted to get to Carolina at some point and then, and then we had planned to move, um, dirt before the pandemic, but then things kind of got held back a couple months. So when we moved up here in August, we already knew we were coming up here. And so, and so I had put out a couple of feelers to, um, to, uh, some of my local true cooks, people that are in the area, one of them so happened to be the corporate chef of 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 the um of the um country club company that I work for now, and so he gave me a a list of a couple of the clubs in uh, the area that were looking for people, and I went and interviewed at some of them, and I had a job within two weeks of me moving up here. Wow, that's awesome! And to be able to do that in the middle of a pandemic, you know, it's uh, exactly it's and especially. To to move during a pandemic, first of all, is is insane. Just especially when you're literally going halfway up the coast from Florida to North Carolina is is definitely an adventure in and of itself. But I mean, then you know, being lucky to have the type of networking and connections that I had to be able to get a job that quick just just really proved to me that you know all of the hard work that I've been doing you know it's been paying off all of the connections that, that I've been making over the years through true cooks and through different outlets like this it you know just really shows the bond that us as as people of the kitchen have you know we look out for our own we'll we'll always try and help when we can and even if we can't we'll still try and help anyway right you always Definitely. need a guy that knows like that's in the loop you know, that's on the same page. And I guess the stronger the community is, you know, the more we're on the same page and, you know, we, we get to explore other people's creativity and, and see that, you know, almost instantly, right. You, we follow, you know, true cooks, every post they made, you know, like they had, uh, uh, about the, the, the kid vaping and sitting, you know, texting today, you know, that Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, that's going to be a hard, you know, it's going to be a hard reality. Yep. And I, I love True Cooks and I love everything they're about and the community they build and Spiceology and all of that, which is like amazing. And, you know, he's an OG as well. Like, mm-hmm. worked in, in the Ritz Carlton. Like, can't get more OG than that. So that's I mean, awesome. That I mean, I mean, people, you're actually the first person to, to call me like a True Cooks OG. And honestly, it kind of feels weird to me because. Because, you know, there were there were people that have been working on this grind way, way before we ever got involved. Like, True Cook started back in 2008. I got involved in 2015. So, so I mean, there are people 
like Chad and like Melissa and Pauly and Omar and, you know, a bunch of other people that have been in the game way before me that. For sure. But you know, we've, people, you've, have you been following them, you know, along the journey? Because you're obviously, if you can name their names, you know, you, you know about them and, and, you know, you've been following the journey and I think that's kind of what it is, right? Where you're part of that community and you, have made and established yourself and um, absolutely you know, able to and, make connections. And and I'll tell you the one like thing that stands out in my mind that made me have the, Oh my God, I made it moment was back in 2017 when um, true cooks and chef Roll were having their, their, their like weekend party down in Miami, down at like the Versace mansion and and like they were having like this big blowout party and everything i was able to go to 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 the um pre-dinner party the night before and 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 just the amount of people and like true food like influencers that that i was able to rub shoulders with and and me at the time i was 22 23 just acting like this bright-eyed kid saying Oh my God, like there's Jeremiah Tower. Oh my God, there's Dominique Crin. Oh my God, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy that have been on Top Chef. And like just the amount of like power in the food industry that was in that room in one night. And granted, everyone's having a great time. Everyone's drinking, you know, you know, you know, there's great food going around, you, you know. Um Steve Brown that that does the swaggy chop shop and everything, you, you know, has has endless rounds of why you meet coming out. That's literally laced everywhere with fucking truffles and like just things that you would never think in your wildest mind that a 23 year old chef who who, you know, compared to these guys is a nobody. The fact that I was able to, you know, just be in the presence of these powers of the industry at such a young age just really proved that this was what I was meant to do. I can only imagine that experience and, you know, just hearing you talk about it. I know uh, me and Vlad both are, you know, we felt like you said, wide eyed, just like I can only, you know, I've actually walked by the Versace mansion when I was down in Miami. So, you know, I I literally went back and, you know, imagining all those people in one room together. Oh, Um, dude, it was absolutely insane. And I didn't even realize half of the people that were at that party until after the fact, like, like, like a month later, after like the official pictures for the party came out. And I realized just the amount of, of, of known names and like people that were at the top of the industry. I was like, holy shit. I, I was there with them. Like what makes me be on the level with them that I was able to be at this event like like it's still insane to me i love that well we definitely appreciate you know that that little side story and um i think the you know important thing there is that you weren't like braggadocious and you know you stayed humble and you're like i you know there's a reason that i'm here and getting this experience not like oh well i deserve to be here and i think that's important i've I've never had the mindset of I deserve to be here. I've 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 never had the mindset of I deserve this or I should be in this position because of this. I've always been a, you know, 
put your nose down to the fire and keep chopping and working until someone says lift lift your head up. Right. It's all that. about the hustle. Definitely. Always. Well, Chef, before we wrap up here, um, you know, what's a little bit about what you got going on? You know, what is, um, I know you have only been there for now about what, like five or six months, but well, you know, what's the North Carolina scene look like? You know, what do you got in the works right now? Um, well, right now you can find me cooking at the Treyburn Country Club um, up here in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, I'm also hoping to slowly build up my client base here for private events. And then hopefully once things, you know, open up a little bit more, I've always wanted to do pop-ups. So, I mean, hope, hopefully either, either up here or, you know, maybe I'll go back down to Miami and do pop-ups with um, some of my old buddies down there. But I mean, I'm on, I'm always just, I'm always in the lab cooking. I'm always trying to just, you know, create different recipes and, you know, I'm constantly staying busy, whether, whether I'm actually posting it on social media or not, which is something that, you know, I always say to myself, I always need to be more consistent because I always have a backlog of pictures and videos and things to post that I just never get around to. So I always need to get better at that. But I mean, I'm just always trying to find something new, trying to do something different. And, you know, I've never really put myself into like fine dining or like casual. Like I've always kind of like blurred the line a little bit. Like I always like combining the two just because sometimes high end can be too foreign to people. And sometimes lowbrow people will think, well, that's too low for me. So, you know, I always try and find a way to like blur the lines a little bit and kind of bring a little both into uh, whatever plate I'm making. Love that. I think that's a, a great outlook. Um, you know, this idea of like fast casual is definitely starting to blow up. And um, I think it's important to, you know, it sounds like you're saying, you know, to keep your food approachable, which I think is really important. It makes, um, you know, for a better dining experience. I think when people have to, you know, Google every single word, um, there's definitely restaurants and experiences for that. But I think people enjoy those meals where they can kind of recognize some things and then you know maybe one aspect of the plate kind of changes their mind and you know exactly shows them something new love that what would you say like your not to say like but your like style of cooking like let's say i like to cook you know like asian mediterranean uh food you know what's um, what's are you like a miami vibe type chef like cubanish you know i'm that, definitely or? um well uh, being, being that I've lived the majority of my life down in Miami, being that's where I trained, being that's where the bulk of my career was, you know, the Latin influence is always big in my food. But I mean, personally, I love eating Asian food. Uh, I love Vietnamese food, Korean, Japanese. So, 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 I mean, you'll always find a little bit of Asian influence. You'll always find a little bit of Latin influence, but I mean, there's not one particular style that I stay strictly to. And then also, again, you know, going to the culinary school that I went to, I'm also classically French trained. So, 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 I mean, there's also the whole European catalog that I can dive into also. So, I mean, it, Asian is definitely one that I love to eat the most. I also tend to cook it the most, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm very adaptable. I could do just about anything. Not to 
toot my own horn, but right, yeah, no, you. Um, uh, what would you say is one of the most uh, important, you know, uh, culinary books uh, that you would recommend to like everybody to read? That's like a must read. Um, as far as like stories from chefs, or Uh, as far as like, I would say like recipe and technique um based books you can never go wrong with the food bible can never go wrong with that it's it it's a classic that you know gives you recipes it gives you you know seasonal patterns it gives you ingredient lists and things that pair well with each other so that's that's one that i always have in my shelf i've probably read through it more times than i can count yeah, I was. I mean, because otherwise you would say the kitchen confidential. Because obviously we're always, well, you know, so it well, has to be. Well, I mean, well, he's I mean, got a. He's got. Bottom, I was gonna say he's got, got a poster of him on his wall. I mean, you can't not not say yeah. it. So obviously, you but yeah, have the food bible is, is it's definitely a, a great book, a must must read. And then uh, we're getting into the end, but I have all of these fun questions. Um, is there? a recipe or a dish that you had to create that just took so much amount of prep, so much amount of time on the pickup. But when, you know, the dish went out, it was like an amazing dish, but nobody wanted to be on that station prepping that dish or so, or I mean, maybe they were okay with it, but like it was a tedious task. So, so, so more so the prep on this one than the actual finish on the plate, but my smoked, barbecue korean short ribs are like a four-day fucking process to prep like those are my baby those are my brainchild i i've i've tweaked that recipe more times than i can imagine and probably after seven years of working it i finally was happy with the finished product but yeah that that one's a four-day process and and they're not like your typical like thin sliced like they're the full English cut, like big brontosaurus short ribs. So it's a two-day marinade, and then it's braised for three hours, and then it's pulled out and cooled overnight, then it's smoked for an hour, and then it's cooled down again for another night, and then it's ready to go. And the, what do you, how yeah, do you I pick would that not, up? Do you I would not want to prep or cook that if that was on my station. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. um, so so um it's a two-day marinade and then it's um braised inside of the marinade for about three hours and then it's pulled out to cool overnight that way it can set up and firm nice and then it's smoked for another hour in a combination of apple and hickory that's been soaked in a little bit of water and whiskey and then so that's hit with a little bit of a barbecue rub and then that's smoked for an hour and then it's cooled down another night to set it up again, and then it's taken off of the bone and 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 a, and a cut down to portion. Billion dollar like short it. ribs. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude, they're such a pain in the ass, especially when I was doing them back at the catering company when 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 I had to do them like like 50, 60 pound lexans at a times and 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 running seven, eight, ten bins at a time. Oh my god, it was fucking hell. <laughs> Right. It's one of those dishes that it's a lot of prep. It's tedious. It's a pain in the ass, but then, you know, it's so rewarding. And, but, but, but it's always so worth it. 
it's it it's literally what I would consider my baby as as like recipes and things that I've worked on the longest. It definitely beats all of my other recipes in time and work by miles. Well, I'm excited. Uh, you know, once you have a pop up, hopefully we can uh, come down yeah. there, check it in out. In due and get time, these- in due time, gentlemen, my kitchen is always open to friends. There you go. We'll be making a, a road trip eventually. One of these. Uh, Please do whether 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 if y'all come to me or if I come to Chicago or yes, or, if you, you come know, to I'm Chicago, never too, you know, or you can hit me or up. you know, I'm never too far away from Florida to come down to Tampa. So there you go, St. Pete Beach. I'll see you there. <laughs> awesome. Doing well, 360s chefs- on the rooftop, but yeah, yes, exactly. You want to <laughs> ask him the finale question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Chef, um, I don't know if you've heard from some of our other podcasts, but uh, this season we're kind of trying to find uh, the answer through all of our chefs. So we're going to bid you adieu with the question of why 86? You know, where is the origin of 86? We all use it every single day. Everyone understands what it means. But, you know, where did it come from? And, you know, what was your first experience with that? Um. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's not really something that I've thought about. Like, you you know, as kitchen people, whenever you hear 86, you're like, all right, we're out of this or we're out of that for. Right. It's just automatic. Exactly. And like, I never really thought or questioned why or where it came to be. But it's definitely something that you guys are going to make me think about now. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's a perfect answer. And, um, you know, a lot of the chefs share that same resentment. They're like, wait, yeah, you're right. Why do we say that? And, um, you know, it's a question me and Vlad came up with, I think, um, when he came down here to visit. And, you know, it it is, it is odd. And we've had some very interesting answers as to the origin of 86. And they um, all sound plausible, you know. Every answer sounds like it could be the right answer. Definitely. <laughs> And so maybe one of these days we'll find the true origin, but um, it is something that's kind of weird. We all just understand it. We yell it. It's, it's understood. It's communicated, but you know, where did this come from? Why did we start using it? So definitely something I look forward to finding out. Yes. Us as well. Well, chef, thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight and, you know, giving our viewers a little bit of wisdom as, you know, Definitely any of those young culinarians that are out there listening, you know, I hope you guys took away kind of where maybe to look to start your path and kind of while you're going down that path, some things to keep in mind of, you know, keeping your head down, staying sharp and definitely staying humble. So we appreciate you definitely coming on tonight, Chef. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. Much appreciation to you, too, as well for not only giving me, but for giving all of your past guests and future guests you know elaine for us to just speak our truth and and just to be able to you know show people who we are instead of just being oh just just another guy or girl on the line you you know at the end of the day what this pandemic has really shown that you know everyone has has a story and everyone's going through something so for you to be able to take the time out of your schedules to be able to have people like me and others on just to, you know, let the world know who we are. It's very appreciated. Definitely. That's what it's all about. You know, we want to hear as many people's truths as we can. And um, we're booked all the way until June. So there's going to be a lot more stories out there and we're excited to, 
continue to kind of develop this, you know, separate community. And uh, I'm working on my Europe, European connects, but unfortunately, their <laughs> English um, is is a little difficult. So maybe we just roll with it. Maybe we just schedule the podcast. Exactly, and, man. Yeah, we'll just just like figure it out. Just roll with it. If anybody yeah. out there listening knows how to like. Google Translate a Zoom call. As Do we need a like, mediator? Do we need a fourth we, mediator? We might need a translate. I'm. I don't know. I won't, like that's the thing. It'd be kind of cool. We all kind of go through the same. Make you know, interesting. Yeah. Things as a community, we're you know growing stronger and stronger, and the more we have, uh, kind of these tools to share and uh, receive knowledge, especially you know, doesn't matter where you are in your career, just to hear what the people in the industry are talking about and thinking, and you know what what's happening. Thing that's very important um so it's awesome to have you on the pod it was a pleasure meeting you we'll always be uh sharing lots of love uh whether it's on the gram or wherever we can as Definitely. always for everybody tuning in make sure to like follow subscribe show chef ethan some love and leave a thoughtful comment and if you guys see this beautiful new arrival, we I got was about this, to say, go ahead and plug uh, that little merch you got behind you. Got, Tell the people where they can get it. We got this new uh, tank tops uh, ready for that summer. Uh, show them a pillow. Show, Vlad, show them a pillow. Show, uh, show, I like which, the pillows. Oh, so this is, uh, this like is one pillow. Ooh, oh, we got that? a smaller pillow, a little baby pillow. A little pillow. late night with chef throw pillow. Uh, we got hats, that. whatever, but we're just... Uh, we're not trying to get rich. We're actually trying to build um, off this merch uh, like a little fun thing that we can, you know, disperse where we see uh, is needed yeah. in the culinary world. Right. Uh, so if you guys want to help and grow that, make sure to check out our Instagram page. Hit the link, the bio tree, and go on Etsy, and you can purchase it there. But yeah, thank Beautiful. you so much, guys. Have a Thank you, everybody, evening. for tuning in gentlemen. tonight. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Unless you're in Texas. And stay off the of Yelp. Yeah, there you go. Stay off the of Yelp.